Welcome to the Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner, and my guest today is Dr. Thomas Schneider. Welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Andrew. It's great to be here. Seriously great. Tom, I, I heard you on another interview with uh, Burke Allen, who has a great podcast. And I, I go jogging about four times a week, and I usually jog for 30 to 40 minutes. And that's just about the right time to get a uh, podcast in. Right. And I listened to this, this guy, <laughs> Dr. Thomas Schneider, talking about his new book and his life. And I was just blown away. I mean, I literally bought the book the same day and I read the book and then I was even more blown away. It's like, first of all, number one, on this program, one of my favorite things to do, it's the art of medicine. And one of my favorite things to do is to interview physicians who have written books, physician authors. Uh -huh. And I've interviewed several physician authors who've written fiction books. And, I, and so I'm adding you to that list. So thanks for being here because I... I, uh, it's a dream of mine one day to, I published four books, but none of them are fiction, but the fiction book is there. It's definitely coming and, Good. uh, I don't know when, but I'm, I'm really interested in that. As I read your book, you, uh, talked about your early days and yes. the Holy Cross. And I want to hear more about that in Worcester, Mass. Well, I grew up in Fall River, Massachusetts. Neighbors. So I'm reading this book and it's like, I know these places, I, you know, I know sure. what's going on. And, um, I, well, we'll get, well, first you have a copy of your book, Andy. I, I want everybody to get the title and see this book because uh, I, I do. Thanks to you. <laughs> the extraordinary life of an ordinary man surviving when life sucks a memoir. Okay. By Dr. Go. Thomas Schneider. Now I read the title because, uh, well, first of all, I think the title is inappropriate. You, you are not an ordinary man by, by any stretch of the imagination that is excessively, uh, humble. But what I liked about the title is when life sucks, you know, everybody is so politically correct these days. You know, mm -hmm. we have to, we don't have problems. We have challenges, right. I mean, you know, this is, it sounds great, but it's all BS, you know? And what I loved about your book is like, this is not BS. Right. So just to give an example, one of the stories in your book, you talk about, I mean, is like too, even too tough to explain. You talk about while you were studying to be a Jesuit priest, Yes. Right. You yes. had a girlfriend who also turned out to be the girlfriend of, I think it was a Rhode Island mafia guy. That's correct. Right. So that's true. Right. Well, once I was on a plane in Rhode Island where I spent a lot of time, I went to medical school there and I have a home there and that's kind of my base it's right next to Massachusetts. And I was sitting next to this gorgeous girl. I was single at the time. And we really struck up a nice rapport. And, uh, you know, one of those lucky, you know, sitting next to the person on oh, the yeah. kind of uh, episodes. And then she told me who she, she told me her name. And then she said, my boyfriend is, you know, that's what usually happens. My boyfriend is so-and-so. And I know that name. 
and it was a Rhode Island mafia name. Oh my gosh. And she was just a sweet darling, you know? So I don't know if she really knew what she was into or not. But when we got off the plane, I didn't ask for her number. It's like, bye. It was nice chatting with yeah, you. Exactly. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Uh, you know, even if by chance you were interested in me, just forget it. And uh, so I thought, I mean, I hadn't thought of that episode for, for years. That's got to be probably 30, 40 years ago. So reading your book just brought back, you know, memories to me. I am blown away. That's similar. Just, oh my gosh. So when yeah. I'm reading that story, it's like, I can't believe it. So the other, the other story is uh, one of my dreams that I have not accomplished is I want to be a, a pilot. You know, I always wanted ah. a pilot. I like gadgets. I'm a scuba diver. It's kind of, you know, it's cool, right? Yeah. And, uh, but you were actually a Navy fighter pilot. Shot Correct. down how many times? Uh, three times three altogether. Times. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, well, being a pilot is cool. I mean, being shot down, that's something you want to do. But obviously you survived that. And then you did it again. And then you did it again. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know if that's like uh, blessings, you know, is that good news or bad news? You know, it's like, it's like bad news. You keep getting shot down, but it's good news. You keep, you know, going back. I mean, it's just amazing. And you're also a practicing physician for many, many years. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I, um, I, I don't want to expound on it unless you want me to tell you that uh, people say, how were you shot down three times in Vietnam? And the answer is, I wasn't that good a pilot. And uh, of course, some people get it and some people don't. And the other time I say, you know, have you ever tried to go back and land on the carrier? It was much easier to go into the rice paddy. Uh, but in any event, yes, I was an aviator for there. And, you know, Andrew, that probably, those shoot downs were of course, uh, for me, I don't mind saying it, unbelievably traumatic uh, and life-changing because, people who read this book, all three of them have copied me and said, listen, what was it like to be a macho fighter pilot, Tom Cruise coming on board the carrier? And what a stud you must be. And the purpose of the book is not that at all, as we'll get into in a little bit, but it was for me life-changing because it said war, and I'm being as guttural as I can, War sucks. This stuff of macho, it's great. Let's all fight for the country. No, if you've been in war and you don't come away with the feeling of one, how enormously fortunate you are to still be alive. And two, how insane the concept of war is. It, 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 you're missing something. And thus, when I came back, I went to uh, test pilot school and actually, uh, in your neck of the woods, mine as well, I had another crash at Pax River. Uh, on weekends, we would fly up to Bangor, Maine, which I'm sure you're familiar with, on Saturdays for the base. And we would take orders and buy lobster and shrimp and crabs and whatever we could and fly them back down to Patuxent River, test pilot school. And on one particular, and the whole base knew it. I mean, all the families would give us money and we'd go up and load this up on a Saturday when we could. And on one particular time, our landing gear would not come down. 
And so we had to belly in, if you know what I mean. In other words, and, and slide on the runway to try and catch a hook, which tore open the boxes. You know what they're like, those lobster crates and crabs. And the plane was actually destroyed, not from the landing, not from the scrapes, but from the stench of the New England lobster and crabs. And it had to be destroyed. So uh, I think it was after that that I said, you know, I'm a little slow, but I think that maybe flying is not the best racket for you, Tom. How about medicine? And so I applied and, and got into uh, Georgetown, went to medical school, and then stayed in the Navy. I had no interest in really practicing in civilian life. I was not into all of that, but I loved the Navy. I loved the military. So I stayed and did various residencies. I did a family practice residency. I was not smart enough to be a neurologist or I would have loved to. And then I did uh, five years of uh, head and neck cancer surgery at uh, NIH in Bethesda. So I kind of combined the two of them uh, for 28 years and then retired and went out into civilian community. And I was right. I did not like it or enjoy the who has this insurance and who has that. And, and so I went into pro bono work, meaning I just talk to people about preventive medicine. You know, I would operate on your neck and take your cancer out, but maybe there's a smarter way. Maybe we could avoid these cancers. Is that, what a novel thought. <laughs> so I spent the, the last few years um, when I was in practice of just working on preventive medicine and trying to convince people that a healthier life, all the things that you're doing, sir, scuba diving, right? Or, that it's all part of the fun of living a healthy life. It's not a struggle. It's just living a sane pattern. And that's how it happened. Well, I think, you know, it's gotta be one of the uh, definite unique, how I got into medical school stories is, you know, I got, I got tired of having plane crashes. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, yeah. that, that's a great, a great motivator. Yeah. Uh, you know, let me switch gears and get to another part of the book. Sure. Um, you did not have a usual easy upbringing. I mean, there were That's a lot of things, book. right? I mean, I can't, you know, overstate it, right? You had yeah. problems with your parents. You had a sibling who um, had uh, uh, cerebral palsy, cerebral palsy, and required twenty-four-seven care. Who Correct. you became very close to and were supportive very. of in a way that uh, I don't know if it's unusual, but was certainly extreme. Yeah. Um, and and rather than that, you know, I'm not talking to you. Oh, that messed me up, you know, and my whole life is because I wasn't brought up properly. Somehow you surmounted all that and uh, yeah. you say it made you better. So I, I want you to just comment a little bit on that. What a, what a great point to pick out of the book, probably the hardest one for me, because I'm not sure, Andrew, that I even have uh, the correct perception of how that happened. But I'm going to give you a little brief one. And if I get too verbose, just say, hey, cut. But, you know, you were talking about a difficult childhood. And my parents were in this is in the early 50s, late 40s, early 50s. They were lunatical. This was a time when there was no child relief. You were beaten or whipped or belted and and it was 
tantamount to life. And that's how it was in my house. Both parents were alcoholics and drug users, although very brilliant people and very accomplished. Uh, however, uh, my job was to take care of my brother, Mark, just to do that 24 seven. And, and, and I grew to absolutely love and adore him. And one of the punishments that my dad used to love to inflict was I would, I was the black sheep. I would always do something. And so I would come home that Friday night, my mother would be there drunk and my father would come home and she'd say, well, he did it again. Oh, what did he do? Uh, he ate 11 chocolate donuts, uh, just ate them all. And now that was a lie. Maybe nine, Andrew. That was my max, you know. <laughs> but certainly I did looking for a serotonin boost as neurologist, you'll get that. And and so I did. And his plan was to take the rest of the children, there were five of us, and put them in a circle in the living room, put his chair in the middle, bring me in the middle, pull my pants down, and then take his belt off or a brush and beat me. And People would say, that's disgusting. It was terrible. It was terrible. But I think I had two choices. One was to say, oh, poor me. Oh, gosh, this is terrible. What am I going to do? Or, and I don't know how this happened, but I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I ended up saying inside me, never outside, go ahead, you bastard. Beat me, but you will not burn me. You will not beat me up. Of course, he did burn me, burned fingers and all kinds of things. But my goal was, you cannot do this to me. My siblings were watching this in absolute panic. They were never hit, never struck. So th there was the black sheep that, that they could take their out of. But my other siblings, none. And to this day, as aging adults like I am, they live in fear. They live in terrorist fear. They live in hurricane fear. They live in whatever the local mm. hourly fear is, they live in, and, and they can't get rid of it. And for I don't know why I took that path, but I did. I somehow or another said, go ahead, try to break me because it ain't going to happen. It just ain't going to happen. Uh, and that, that salvaged me a great deal. One, uh, one other little point that I'm going to make is, um, I learned, and I don't know how I learned this, Andrew, but of course, it sounds great. It sounds macho. It sounds like it should be a movie. Oh, well, then what'd you do? Well, then I kind of strutted back to my room and took out a Playboy and said, yeah, I'm the man. No, I went back to my room and bawled my eyes out, of course, and was sad and depressed and whatever uh, a 12-year-old goes through at that time. But somehow in that phase, I, I, I learned something. Uh, you know, I would be crying. My mother would come in uh, at the end of it to coax and coddle me. Oh, no. She took a garbage can and would throw it on me uh, in the bed saying, you know, you, you're, you're doing nothing, going nowhere and, and, and throw it at me. And out of that came one thought. Now, your listeners will hate this. This will probably be the last time this podcast is ever on. He said, must be a communist saying this. No, I learned this principle and I passed it on to my children, as harsh as it sounds. It's a very simple principle. Nobody cares. What do you mean nobody cares? No, nobody cares. No, Tom, I can't. No, 
No, you, you can hear the story and say, I'm sorry. I, you're saying, I'm sorry it wasn't me. I'm glad that it wasn't me that went through that. And I understand that, but nobody cares. So older, going to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and saying, and they beat me and they did this. I'm so sorry. Does not, nobody cares. I'm the one that's got to get through it and say, go ahead. You can burn me, but you cannot beat me. And it sounds tough, but it played out in my children now. If they have a bad, had a bad day in school, now they're all, they're both physicians. I have three actually, uh, two of them are physicians now. When they were little, they'd come home. How was today? It was terrible, dad. The teacher yelled at me and I didn't have my homework and things. It was just a terrible, terrible day. And I go, yeah, well, what are you gonna do about it? Cause nobody cares. Dad, it was a terrible, nobody cares. Make the day a good day, but I can't do it for you. It's up to you. Now that sounds harsh, it sounds terrible, but it really to me was a survival step. It was a way to say, it's gotta come from me. And, and when I was doing preventive medicine, uh, whether people were coming to me, can I get my wrinkles removed? Can I, uh, can I get stronger? Can I, can I make love more? Whatever it was, it really came down to one principle, every patient. What is it you're really looking for? I want to be happy. Really? Well, it's got to be the new Lexus. If you get the new Lexus, it's got the buttons that can now blow on it. Try it. Or the new computer. That'll do it. Something's going to make you happy. And I learned long ago from my Jesuits, who I love, who raised me, basically, when I ran away from home. And, and they told the story about, it's an old story and forgive me for this, but I'll make it short that, that God and, and St. Peter are up in heaven. It's an apocryphal story, but they're there. And Peter says to God, nice job down there with the earth. I mean, the greens, the flowers, the apple. I like that. You did a good job, God. God said, nah, uh, no, you got Adam and Eve down there. Come on, give yourself credit. He goes, no, nah, I really wanted to give them something special. Oh, really? Like what, God? He said, I want to give them happiness. And Peter said, well, you're God, just snap your fingers and give them happy. He said, no, I give them things and they take it for granted. I give them breath, the most amazing gift of all. They just breathe in and out, in and out all day. They never stop to think how wonderful it is. I give them unbelievable verdant green woods. To, nah, they don't even go in there. They're on the highways. He said, they've got to work for happiness. He said, well, hide it. Peter said, hide it. He said, yeah, maybe I'll bury it under the water. They'll never, oh no, these guys are smart. They're gonna be scuba divers. They're gonna get to the bottom of the ocean, maybe the top of a mountain. No, they're gonna conquer Everest. He said, I don't know, I got it. I know right where I can put it, happiness. Peter said, where? He said, right over there, right inside their hearts. Now that's a kind of a, a soupy, saccharine kind of a story, but I love it because it says, I don't care. If you wanna be happy, it's already in you. You just have to find and enjoy it. It's not in the Lexus. It's not in the new Apple computer. It's right inside, but you gotta stop. You gotta take a breath and go, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. 
How do you learn that? How do you teach it? I don't know the answer to that. I had bypass surgery. And when I woke up, this was back in 1994, um, I woke up and there was a machine next to me. You'll know. And it went. And there was this big peace pipe in my mouth going to my lungs. And I, of course, I was intubated. And I never forgot to this day. This is not. I walk outside in my woods here and I take the dog for a walk. Whether he pees or he doesn't pee, I don't really care. What I do is I always take one very deep breath and go, oh, ain't that something? Ain't that something? You, you can't forget it. And that's where the joy comes from. I didn't mean to get off on that. It sounds like I'm well, I think, I think everybody knows what I was talking about now, that when I heard you on Burke Allen's show, that I was just blown away. I mean, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. Oh, you're way too kind. Stories, and, and we're running out of time. So for more Tom Schneider stories, read the book. And where can I get the book? Um, I know it's on Amazon. I'm, I'm not a techie. I admitted that to the front. So it's on Amazon and it's on something called, oh, it's going to be next week, I think, on Audible. Does an, oh, an great. It's going to be an Audible book. Excellent. Yes. And then wonderful Burke Allen has put me on, you ready for this one? My daughter taught me this word, social media under TR or Tom Schneider, MD. And that's Twitter, Flitter, Link, whatever those things are. Uh, and, I, and I'd love to hear from anybody. They can email me. I love to chat and, and talk to people. Tom, this has been fantastic. Do you have any last pieces of advice for our, our listeners uh, all over the world? One last one. Happiness. Gage. G-A-G-E. Remember those four. G-A-G-E. G. Give. Give to the gal who's giving you groceries, the unseen people. A, accept, accept what happens. That Amazon box, box that you open and it says Alzheimer's or cancer, accept, learning to accept, very, 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 very hard to do. And last G, gratitude, thankful for every breath. Well, what about the E? G plus A plus G equals enjoyment. You will enjoy every day. Dr. Thomas Schneider, thank you very much for being on the RBI. I love being here, Andrew. Cannot thank you enough. This program is hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Wilner, MD, FACP, FAAN. Guests receive no financial compensation for their appearance on the art of medicine. Andrew Wilner, MD, is Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, Memphis, Tennessee. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program belong solely to Dr. Wilner and his guests and not necessarily to their employers, organizations, or other group or individual. While this program intends to be informative, it is meant for entertainment purposes only. The Art of Medicine does not offer professional financial, legal, or medical advice. Dr. Wilner and his guests assume no responsibility or liability for any damages, financial or otherwise, that arise in connection with consuming this program's content. Thanks for watching. For more episodes of The Art of Medicine, please subscribe. www.andrewwilner.com